You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. If we want to make positive change in our lives, in our businesses, in our families, in our communities, then we need to go beyond net zero, beyond sustainability to regenerative. Regenerative systems give back as a whole. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. It's amazing to see you here where you are challenged to reconsider your normal and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. There is something in my spirit (laughs) that loves being able to have conversations about systems that are shitty and don't benefit anybody. When I get an opportunity to dig into things like patriarchy and capitalism, productivity, urgency, and how these extensions of white supremacy support no one, especially those that it historically and currently disenfranchises and marginalizes. Yeah, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. And I'm here for it, not just because I want to have the conversation and I want you to be able to, to listen in and be able to figure out where it is that you can extend that you know, new learning out into your life and the world around you and your conversations, but I'm learning too. This is an opportunity for me to be able to work through what goes through my own head and to be able to figure out where there's opportunities. And the conversation that I had with my amazing guest today, I really love the fact that we got to talk about some of what capitalism is and how the concept of owning a business does not make you a capitalist individual. And how there are ways that we can run businesses that are figuring out what it means to not only figure out sustainability, but to then move into being regenerative. So I am so excited to have this amazing convo that you can check in on today that I have with Helen Tremthick. She is a holistic business coach and co-conspirator for entrepreneurs who are ready to show up more fully and authentically in their lives and their businesses. Since 2011, Helen has worked with hundreds of business owners using a proprietary methodology called love and badassery, which combines contemporary business strategy, values-based business models, and a hefty dose of what makes you unique. Helen lives on a permaculture farm in the Canadian countryside, which means if you ever hop on a call with her, you might hear roosters. Not a terrible thing. Not a terrible thing. (laughs) To find out more about Helen, check out HelenTrumpthick.com. You'll also be able to find this in the article that was created 
with accessibility in mind on our website. And I'm ready for you to start listening. Let's get into it. Hello, Helen. Thank you so, so much for joining me. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me, Erica. I'm so excited because, first of all, the first time you and India and I talked, I was like, ooh, well, I like her. I like her life. <laughs> <laughs> There's all of the like, no, 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 we're not going to leave things as they are. I'm not going to mm-hmm. be quiet about it. And I'm here for all of those things. So therefore, yes. it made me super, super happy. So yeah. I am going to jump right in. However, I want to start by you sharing one thing about yourself that maybe people don't know. Something that is like, this doesn't go in a bio. This might not come in your first five minutes of talking to me. Tell me something. <laughs> okay. you here. Yeah, I will tell you something that is way out of left field. Something I've been considering putting into my bio and something that's actually very aligned with all of my kind of anti-authoritarian tendencies. And that is uh, that I'm kind of a feral cat whisperer. So that's very left field. Wow. I I love feral cats. I turn into that cartoon character, Elmira, which is, <laughs> you know, if you were writing out my character as one knows, that is not really the personality attributes that you would pin to me. But oh my goodness, and Erica, I have a project right now. His name is Mandarin Fluff Muffin the Third, um, because he's the third orange cat that I've rescued. And I was just cooing over him this morning. He lives over in our barn semi regularly. So that is a very left field thing about me that is nothing to do with business, nothing to do with anti capitalism, but really still very aligned with my idea that we all need to be lifted up, even the feral cats of the world. Well, I, it sounds like Mandarin Fluffmeister the Third is in good hands. So therefore, <laughs> I'm like, do you? Because that, like, yes, there is a point to where, like, if we can understand that even, even feral cats need love too, maybe we can humanize one another just a little bit more. Just You're that. right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so... Now I'm going to go what might feel like slightly left, but also accurate. And a lot of the work that you do, like you said, like you, you're very outspoken and it shows up in everything that you do. And so I would love for you to share um, a little bit of how problematic systems at best, like capitalism and productivity have influenced the ways that you exist personally and professional like what's mm. up with the question I'll give you a little one uh, right <laughs> no I love it like let's dive right on into the deep end okay we talked about cats now we're talking about capitalism mm-hmm. I I love it so much and and so personally and professionally I mean this we can we can tack this in like two different ways um but first I would like to talk a little bit about capitalism as a system when I'm referring to capitalism, I'm not speaking about profit. I'm not speaking about commerce. I'm not speaking about trade or exchanging services. What I'm talking about is a system that profits off the exploitation of someone's labor. And that I think is really important to 
to mention when we're talking about why capitalism is is problematic. It's that exploitation piece. Right. And productivity as it's tied into capitalism is really when we define our worth by our output. It's not about really being productive. It's not really about checking the things off of your to-do list. It is about the the oppressive nature of the productivity that we consider ourselves valuable by that output. And so with those, you know, really deep end heavy kind of definitions, I think we are all influenced personally and professionally by this system. And for me, one of the ways that I've kind of pulled myself out of this system is that I live on a permaculture farm. My partner is a permaculture teacher. We talk a lot about regenerative systems and creating regenerative systems through design. And often that is land-based, but it can be business-based as well. The way that I perceived my time when I was new to being a business owner, now we're going over a decade back, but the way that I perceived my time was one of the biggest unlearnings for me in terms of like the, the problematic aspects of capitalism and productivity. The way I perceived my time was the way I would perceive my time as an employee that I needed to punch in, I needed to punch out, I needed to be at my desk. Even if I was not doing a lot, I needed to be there to respond to emails, to respond respond to client requests, to post on social media. I needed to be continually productive from nine until five, essentially exploiting my own labor. And this was even before hiring a team. I also, and I think many new entrepreneurs can uh, go through this pattern as well, that I would price myself very, very low without meeting my needs again, like followed by this expectation of like keeping my butt in the seat and, and that being, you know, that productivity being my worth. And, um, and so it took a while for me to really kind of extrapolate that from the work that I do today, the work that I do on the day-to-day and how I operate my business as that regenerative system. So first off, thank you, because I do think that often, anytime we talk about anything around a business or making money, I almost feel like there are these insidious things that are being planted in conversations around capitalism to almost try to rem- to almost try to tell people that hey you're making money off of mm-hmm. something and that's what capitalism is and it's that's not what it is that's not and what it is i think there's you know cuz it was like oh there's this conversation about what it is and it's like okay so how can we kind of throw them off the trail and i've noticed some of the conversations being inaccurate in some ways particularly when it comes to people that have been historically disenfranchised Mm-hmm. trying to, quote unquote, you know, tip the scale some um, and trying to figure out what does it mean to build a legacy and to recoup what they have lost, which obviously that's a very large scale thing that isn't just based on our work, but understanding that they are doing something to try to uh, reclaim mm-hmm. what they have not been given easy access to and to be in the process of trying to do that and then to have productivity come up. 
And it's this lie of how much can you do in the least amount of time? And that's what equals your worth. It's like, okay, so you started a business to basically become your own boss and to do to yourself what somebody else did that you were trying to get away from. Let's not Mm -hmm. do that. That's not the goal. Yeah. And that just perpetuates the trauma that all of us, um, but especially the global minority, have been experiencing for generations. And so as people who are you know, noticing this disconnect, noticing that there are possibilities it is on us to, um, especially those of us like myself who were brought up white, it is on us. In We have a responsibility to, to help tip those scales. Right. And so in the business coaching that you do, um, I think you laid out obviously some of the ways that things like productivity get in the way and really tell you falsehoods about your worth and your value and what you quote unquote should be doing. But what are maybe some of the unexpected ways that you've witnessed systems like uh, productivity or capitalism or other systems that are created by white supremacy showing up to really Mm -hmm. disrupt what's possible? Ooh, yeah. You know, I want to talk a little bit about perfectionism. So there are a lot of people, um, some really great experts. I believe you've also interviewed Audrey Holst. She is my go-to on perfectionism. And I want to say that perfectionism is something that we often laud as being a good quality in us. Look, I am a perfectionist. I try to make things you know, just just right. Um, similarly to people pleasing, those of us who haven't been thinking critically about this for a very long time think about people pleasing as a good thing. Look, I I'm a yes person. I say yes. You ask me, and both of these are tools that keep us in this perpetual motion of feeling unworthy and not enough. Mm. So when we try to make it perfect, when we try to make it perfect, when we try to make it perfect. All of our energy is being put into this carrot that is being dangled in front of us. And I say to my clients so often, I swear I say this multiple times a week, that everything is iterative. Everything is iterative. I think that anything that is worth doing whole ass is worth doing half ass. <laughs> that is something that it's something we don't talk about at all. We say, you know, if you're not going to do it, you know, with everything you've got, then you might as well not. If you're not going to show up fully, then you might as well not. And it's bullshit. Brushing your teeth for 10 seconds is better than brush, not brushing your teeth at all. Eating a bite of an apple is better than not eating at all. Launching your imperfect product is better than not launching at all. Waiting until it is perfect is a tool that keeps you in a a place where you feel like you are not enough, like you are not worthy. And that is something that comes up all the time with my clients. So that's something that's very internal as um, a dialogue that happens inside our bodies. And before we move on, I want to talk about another aspect of that and that is the language that is given to us that the things that we hear and in the online business world there is a formula that is incredibly persuasive and incredibly pervasive and that is the i did it you can do it too Oof. 
here is my story. I am the hero of my journey. You can do it too. And this seeps into our pores and it does not address these systemic inequities that do not allow people to rise up in that same way. That the people who are saying these things are people who often have uh, generational or ancestral wealth that are able to move through the world with without having as many obstacles. And the I did it, you can do it too statement really victim shames when those people are unable to, when the inability is actually really out of their hands. So the perfectionism piece, I agree 100% with it being another facet of white supremacy that a lot of people aren't, they don't readily notice it in the same Mm -hmm. way like we've talked here about urgency being another tool that white supremacy uses to control us, to shame us, to keep us small. And the I did it and you can too, the reason that that particular piece as a Black woman bothers me so bad is because, number one, you have the um, kind of American exceptionalism piece of like, (laughs) pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you can do this, get the American dream. Um, The American dream is, is just... Let me steal and co-opt and say I did it. And it's like, I don't <laughs> want that. No, thank you. Uh, and I also think that as a as a Black woman, there is this thing, when you talk about the carrot being dangled, there is this lie of Black exceptionalism that shows up with, you know, oh, there's an Oprah Winfrey. I mean, she mm-hmm. did it. And it's like, so you give me a handful of people that, you know, are supposed to be the reason why it's okay. And yet there's, you know, multi-million figures of us that don't have access. And you think that being able to point out one person regularly should be enough of a reason that I tell myself that I can do it. And if I don't, it's my fault. And it's such a pervasive lie that is passed down. It is the thing that tells you just be grateful for whatever. It's not possible, but it's because of your lack of insert here, whether it's due diligence, whether it's uh, knowledge, whether it's time, whether it's skill, but it's never the conversation of, well, you actually started off 10, you know, steps back from someone else. Or, you know, I actually kind of put you in a hole and didn't give you the opportunity to get out by having access. So let's talk about those things never come up. And so that's where perfectionism will show up and say, well, if if you just do this, it'll be perfect and you can do it. And it's like, you're, it, it feels very Alice in Wonderland. You're chasing a white rabbit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the meantime, they're saying, you just didn't want it enough. Yes. You just yeah. didn't want it enough. And, you know, with absolutely, it's, yes, absolutely. My hands are up and I'm <laughs> waving them around as if they were words. Absolutely. Come on now, let's face it. So much easier to talk about what you do and why when it's rooted in your values. 
Let's explore removing the shoulds and one size fits most formulas in your brand. Our co-founder over here, Paul's in a play, India Jackson, actually talked with Helen Trumpick, our lovely guest today, and discussed how developing your brand voice helps businesses to maintain consistency, clarity, and authenticity. You can own your values and amplify your influence by giving that show a listen and the Flaunt Your Fire podcast a follow today. It is impossible to talk around topics. We have to use language to call it what it is, no matter how palatable or not so much it might be. And in order to get to the point where you can be in alignment with what matters to you and why, you have to lead with values. Being clear on your values means you can chart a course that prioritizes them and the impact that they can create. When you lead through your values, that means that you can be explicit about what you support and how your actions are in alignment with that. Every single person you hire, every business you buy from, every decision that you make brings you closer or farther away to your outcomes for you and those that you seek to support. In order to learn more about how to encourage that alignment to show up every day for you, you can come on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit and sign up for the Implicit to Explicit Masterclass with Indy and I today. I think what you said is, is something that we have to personally acknowledge so that we can figure out how that dismantling can become more of a collective dismantling mm-hmm. and we can figure out what happens because I, I do believe that white supremacy is a structure that we didn't put in place. And so the people that put the structure in place have to play a large part in dismantling it. However, those of us that um, are victimized by it can, can basically figure out what is it that I am noticing that is a lie that I don't want to buy into anymore. It's not necessarily us to say, okay, I'm going to break down this system from the government down, but Mm -hmm. us being able to acknowledge, hey, this is a lie. I don't want to live my life by this anymore. I don't want to govern my heart or my head with Mm -hmm. this anymore. And I think that this is where we have to really pay attention to our own personal expectations of ourselves and where we're buying into something that is false. And so where do you think there's a possibility there to begin to kind of unfurl whatever expectations we put on ourselves yeah. from the grasp of these unjust and extremely harmful systems? Yeah. Yeah. Great question, because we can rant all day about the problems. But, you know, if if we want to move away into possibility, we need to also talk about solutions. and. You know, you mentioned a couple of times about like noticing, noticing the lies and choosing otherwise. You know, we, I think we don't put enough emphasis on the word and the act of noticing. So much, so much happens in that noticing space before we can ever take action that we need to notice oh there's that lie again oh there's that lie oh i see it coming up in this way too this is how it is insipid and once we start noticing where the lies are where we can do things differently then we also start noticing the opportunities and that's when we can start 
making change. I consider this a little bit like an unlearning process. Um, in the first year of the pandemic, we had the great privilege of homeschooling our child. And in the beginning, you know, I, I did my due diligence. I am like an exceptional parent. And so I went out and I got all of the workbooks and I was going to do the thing and I set up the structure so that I could work while my child was working. And, you know, obviously none of that happened. But what I noticed... <laughs> <laughs> that was a whole thing. <laughs> that is a whole thing unto itself. <laughs> but the parable here is what I noticed is that I went into the structure in this really top-down way that this is the way that school works. And so this is the way that I need to do it, aka this is the way that business works. This is the way the economy works. And this is the way that I need to do it. And there is a great unlearning that needs to happen before we can start building up where I needed to notice this schedule doesn't work. It doesn't work for my child. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for learning forward. It doesn't work for integration. It doesn't work for critical thinking. What can we do otherwise? So the, the very first part of this unfurling is unlearning and noticing. And then once we notice, then we can start noticing opportunities like, oh, wow, I'm paying myself a pittance. How do I rework my business model so that it serves me, it serves my clients, and it serves my team? Wow, I am like going to Fiverr to hire people for extra, extra cheap. How can I hire somebody closer to home who's onshore? How can I lift somebody up in my community in a way that serves all of us? And, and in all of that, in this unfurling, in this noticing possibilities, we need to keep learning and we need to be really self-forgiving around the mistakes that we will inevitably make, the falling back into the trap of the lie because that is a habit unto itself. And and then keep taking those steps forward, keep noticing, keep taking action. The biggest piece that you said that really stood out to me was when you talked about the schooling piece and that recognition of this doesn't work. <laughs> I'm doing it this way because this is what I was told. This is what I was given. It was already in place. And who am I to go against it? And so those of us that had kids in school we went with what it was. And then the minute that that wasn't an option anymore, it was like, oh, hell, this does not work. <laughs> this doesn't work. And I think we often are just doing what's there in the way that it's been given or prescribed. Mm -hmm. And without recognizing where there's opportunities for unlearning, where there are opportunities for deconditioning, we're, we're we're missing out on possibilities of of changing things because the the reason that a lot of these unjust systems are in place is because it gives you this mental control over people that you need to control in order to keep things going. Mm -hmm. And the more that people reclaim free thinking and the questioning of why is this here and why, you know, why am I not asking questions? I think that's a big part of it because someone could come in today and say, hey, we're going to get rid of all the systems. But if we don't ad address where we are just simply assuming, well, I mean, I guess it's fine. It's there, right? 
let's just go with it, then we can't redo the systems with something that is more equitable, that is more just. Absolutely. So we have to have that opportunity to be like, mm, I don't like this. This doesn't feel right. Even if I can't put my finger on why, I know that this is not the thing. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's a piece too. And I think sometimes people have nervousness around just acknowledging, I don't know the why and I don't know what's next, but I know it ain't this. Yes, exactly. And then you know, part of the reason why we haven't broken the cycle is because we haven't had the role models who have done it, who have shown that it is doable in that like, I did it, you can too sort of way, except without that oppressive nature. We need to have role models of of just and equitable business, just and equitable families, just and equitable communities. And and those of us who are asking questions, those of us who are noticing the lies, those of us who are are trying to decondition ourselves can then hopefully act as role models for others. And and you're right, like not take down the system completely because we need to replace it with something that is more just. And so in doing the work on the ground, then we can provide modeling that then hopefully provides that ripple effect through our communities. So as an imperfect ally, what what shows up with that behavior modeling? Because again, like I mentioned earlier, I think that there is is a different type of ownership on someone that is born into privilege in a white body and being raised as white to be able to understand what they have that they didn't earn in the same way. And so mm-hmm. what what shows up with that behavior modeling of like this does need to be more just, this does need to be more equitable. What are what are some of the examples that you model for others with that? And I'm hearing life and business here, so please feel free to share both. Yeah, thank you. You know, one of the things that we do uh, in my like personal slash professional life is that we offer our permaculture students sliding scales so that um, so that the people who have more access to capital can help those who have less access to capital also come to our classes. And my business as a business coach helps also fund that and that space uh, that really allows us to be a model of regenerative design. With my clients as well, I, you know, I try to help them reestablish their businesses so that they're more equitable, so that they are profiting in a way that they can then give back to their communities because they do. Because all of my clients come to me or they're very values-based. They're very interested in having their business do good in the world. And so that also causes a ripple effect. I also hire my team on shore so that I know that and pay them a living wage so that I know that I am helping other families and not like, again, like taking the exploitation out of the out of this for-profit commerce creation that I've made. And I thank you for sharing it because there were, I was also going to ask about, you know, what are some of those outcomes? Because I think when we shift our business practices and we put equity and regeneration at the front, it does change things. Mm-hmm. And it 
changes it not only obviously what we're doing, but, you know, the outcomes and what other people can possibly have access for um, so that it's not just about I'm going to give you because I'm going to gatekeep and hoard it myself and I'm only going to give you what I want you to have. It's more about what can you have for yourself and you can do it. Um, And you've mentioned um, regenerative, um, you know, business and practices a few times. I would love for you to kind of share for anyone that isn't familiar with that concept, what that is. Sure. You know, we all have lexicon that we um, we don't necessarily define as we're speaking. So I appreciate you you asking for that clarity. And, you know, when I think I want to start actually with sustainable. So there is a lot of talk about creating a sustainable business with this idea that sustainability is our goal. When sustainability is actually kind of a net zero. and we need to go beyond sustainability if we want to make positive change in our lives, in our businesses, in our families, in our communities, then we need to go beyond net zero, beyond sustainability to regenerative. Regenerative systems give back as a whole. So it feeds into each aspect and each sector in your, you know, your given design. So in your, your relationship, in your community, in your business, in your home, and it gives back in the yields that is desirable for each sector. So in a business, for example, a business model that helps the business owner meet their needs in a way that is more than breaking even, that sets up for a rainy day, that allows, you know, the roof to be replaced so that it's better to allow the windows to be replaced in the house to allow um, for time off, as well as feeding the clients and giving them great, great value and, and access to the business owner on both a free educational level and a paid transformational level as well as anybody who might be hired by that business, um, that they would get paid a living wage as well. And then again, about the ripple effect, that that would then have impact in the communities of all of those people who are experienced. A a lot of my clients have money stories of scarcity and, and really not liking capitalism and therefore not liking money. There's a like you, we said at the very beginning of this conversation, that there's this interwovenness that we need to really separate, that money is inherently neutral. And I say to my clients, you know, if you make, if you were to make a gazillion dollars today, and we know statistically that that is just not possible for like 99% of us. And if you were to make a gazillion dollars today, would you be building a penis ship to space? <laughs> Oh, I've talked about the phallic-shaped rocket, too. Right? And the answer is no, across the board. No, they would be um, shopping at their farmer's market. They would go to that restaurant that serves that amazing organic food. They would be, like, setting up a foundation. They would, you know, buy a children's ward and say, you don't have to put my name on it. That That is the way that people would redistribute their wealth. They wouldn't sit on it and hoard it like dragons. And so... So I think that it's really important for us to think about that when we're thinking about regenerative design. How do we build in that redistribution in a way that helps 
all of the aspects of this business, of this life, of this community thrive. I love that. And I love how the regenerative piece really does acknowledge like, okay, we figured out, you know, let's say you figured out sustainability, like what's next. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think for some people, they're simply trying to figure out the sustainability because it's real. Like, how can I, how can I simply hit a point that I am not always worried about not having basic needs met? How can I be at a point that I don't have to be concerned about basic physical, mental, um, and emotional safety and well-being and health. Mm -hmm. And once you are able to better care for basic needs and necessities for you and those that you care for, then it becomes, okay, well, how does this then pour back in to create this conduit, almost like a water wheel that is constantly like feeding it back in to keep it going so it's not just a stop, start, stop, start. Exactly. And this goes back to the everything is iterative piece that we we take action where we can. Mm-hmm. And then when we can, we take next action. And instead of saying, oh, you know, I haven't done it in this, I did it, you can do it too, top down idea. Oh, I haven't done it. Therefore I can't. It's actually just small action, small action, small action. So we aim for what we can. And then if we need to move that, that target toward us or further away than we do, because everything is iterative. Love it. Love it. Love it. And as we start to wrap up, I am curious now, granted, you've already given a whole lot of actions that we've talked through here. (laughs) And if nothing else, I've just loved the fact that we talked through what the lies are Mm -hmm. around what capital capitalism is and what it isn't. And that's not to say that capitalism as the structure that we know it to be is not problematic and, and wrong and evil like that part. Yes. But capitalism from a core sense of like making money, is not evil. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you start getting into the exploitation and the wanting a living wage for you, but not for others, that's where that is. And so being able to go through that, I feel like was actionable in itself to, to kind of shift some of the thoughts around that. But if it hasn't already been addressed, what is one action that you would like the listeners to take after they've listened to our conversation today, uh, that one action that they can take to create change? You know, I, I would like to provide a paid and a free option here because, you know, I think that this is also really important when I was saying about education being free and transformation being paid, that um, inside the Love and Badassery Motorcycle Club, it's my signature program. We do hot seat group coaching every other week. And if you are having those big CEO feels, if you need something tangible like copy advice or service alignment, or like how do I create this regenerative business model that you've been talking about, that is what we talk about there in the Motorcycle Club. So that is something that people can do if they want to and have the ability to put place capital into that in kind of investment in their businesses. But outside of that, outside of that, there the next action, the next action that anybody can take today for free is to just start noticing. Start noticing those lies. Start noticing where you're tied into the shoulds 
that you think, oh, I should be doing that. I notice that for myself, I, one of the lies that I tell myself is, oh, I will just, that is an indicator for me. Oh, I will just, that I'm out of alignment. That if I'm starting my thought with that, that sentence fragment, I know that I'm out of alignment. I know that I need to stop and take breath and see if that next action is coming from my internal desire to do something for somebody else or for myself, or whether it's coming from a should place, you know, a kind of a, a supremacist place that says, this is how you're supposed to be behaving. And then that gives me the option. And so I would like to extend that further to, to you and to the listeners that, um, that this is part of the noticing. What are your, your word habits that have you wrapped up in this, in the shoulds, in the having to, in the, the, in these like expectations of productivity? And where can you take a breath, find more margin for yourself and take next action forward? Love it. All of that. For everything that you've shared, for your time, for your energy, everything today. Thank you so, so, so much, Helen. And I will also have the info for people to visit your website in the article that was created with accessibility in mind on the website. So they'll be able to learn more about the Motorcycle Club and about you as a human. So again, thank you. Thank you, Erica. So I am overwhelmed in a great way with how what we talked about really gave roots to the regenerative nature that you can bring into your life and your business and how the fact that the words like the sustainability, it's so overused. And I love how we can figure out what's next. We can figure out how to be able to find a certain amount of stability in us having our needs met and figuring out, okay, what is next? I am a firm believer that you have to put your oxygen mask on first. If you have not taken care of yourself, it is very challenging to take care of anyone else, which is exactly why literally on an airplane, they will tell you, put your mask on before you help the person next to you, even if it's a child. Because if you can't breathe, nobody is going to benefit because you're not going to be able to do it. And so figuring out, you know, what's next there. Like that was just one of the just amazing pieces that came up here. So, so grateful that as always, you are showing up and taking in these conversations with an open mind, an open heart, and really allowing what is yours in this moment to stick with you and to be able to flourish and bloom as a part of the impact that you can make. I also want to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the stolen land of the Susquehannock, the Scataway, Nantigo people native to this area known as Maryland. So every time we show up here having real conversations, normalizing the challenging things, calling them what they are, and making them a part of your everyday exchanges for being a part of this conduit. Thank you. This is how together we remove stigma and create real change and connection, crossing lines and recreating boundaries in order to support and not separate. Let's get more people continuing to drop the veil while challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. So until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye.
Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From Implicit to Explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?